Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. I'm your host, Bill Sickens. Jeremy and Gretchen, welcome to the show. Hey. Hey there. So it's an interesting week. We got to go back to our first convention in almost two years. Almost two years. So we're going to to talk about that a little bit later here. We've got some great interviews from the floor as well as some other news and information on it. It was a lot of fun, I think, just to kind of sum it up. And uh, before we get into that, we do want to give you this week's news. So let's go ahead and get started with that. User-Friendly Media Group is proud to support Toys for Tots. Please bring your new unwrapped gift to the Sherwood Chamber of Commerce located at 16273 Southwest Railroad Street, Sherwood, Oregon during normal business hours. Toys for Tots is sponsored by the U.S. Marine Corps. All gifts will go to children locally. For more information or a local drop-off location, please visit toysfortots.org. So what's in the news? Stanford launches first-class tot completely in virtual reality. Yeah, this was definitely coming, you know. I mean, it seems like the technology is there to be able to do this kind of stuff now. Yeah. So the idea of this being something, I think actually, in all honesty, it's very likely that uh, this could have happened earlier. Yeah, I agree. And and I think there's a lot of potential to uh, a virtual class because... um, it, depending on how it's set up, the the, the um you get the student can look all the way around the room. Yeah, yeah, you know you have all of those benefits. The class is called Virtual People. It's the first VR class in the history of Stanford. The subject's actually been something that they've been giving for about twenty years now, but this is the first time that it is uh, being presented this way. The software they're using to do it is something called Engage, which I'm led to understand is almost like a Zoom in a way for um, VR. Mm-hmm. And so, and it came out and was available to be used about a month before he started the class. So it was really cutting edge to be able wow. to do that. So, you know, interesting hmm. idea here. The more that we can do this, I, it, it leads to the idea of virtual learning, but this might be in a way that it actually works a lot better. So we'll have to see where this goes and kind of follow up on this and see how the class was. Hmm, yeah. All right. Uh, a new sight restoring bionic eye took one step closer to human trials. Yep. So this is another step forward in the field of bionics and robotics and all of that. And this idea is an eye that can be implanted if you've lost your vision. It serves a number of different purposes with that from the way that it works. It has very low impact on the neurons required to trick the brain, Uh which is used Hmm. when the eye is seen. So it actually works from that standpoint, which has been one of the barriers to entry on this kind of technology. So... Is this only for people who lost their eyesight, or would it work for people who were born blind? I don't know yet. That wasn't in the white paper on it. What it's talking about, though, is that they are testing it out in a lot of different areas, because I think there's a lot of different applications for this, and a lot of them haven't been thought of, really, or even tried yet. Mm -hmm. So the possibility of that now, there could be a lot of other reasons for someone being born blind than just their eyes not functioning. So oh, that okay. would have to be addressed. You know, it depends on the situation, I'm sure. But the point is, is this is definitely a step in the right direction for being able to deal with those those kind of issues. Hmm. Robots in 2022. Six robot predictions from industry-leading humans. So wh- what is that about? 
Do we still have to listen to the humans? I mean, oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. I, I, I keep hearing Benders saying, kill all humans, yes. kill all humans. <laughs> yeah, they're looking at some of the different things. Now, the funny thing about it is, in many ways, this parallels a lot of the issues with early computers. The first one being the big one, which is interoperability. Now, this is the idea that a system built by one company can work with a system built by another company. Think Apple, Windows, Commodore, Amiga, Atari, and all of the other computers we had in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. You did something on one system, and it just totally was was not possible for a lot of that to be brought over to another. So they need to be able to work with everything, and they're working on an open system uh, called OpenRMF to deal Mm. with this. Another step is they call it creativity in robots. This will flourish. Now, again, think early computers. All of a sudden, we're going to have all kinds of different things that these can be used for. And with the integration of AI, you come up with a situation that can really be interesting. Huh. They say that the year 2022 will be the year of the robot. Oh, We're going to see it in a lot of different places in a lot of different ways. And I'm thinking that I have to agree with that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I can't wait to see what happens. (laughs) It's amazing some of the technology that's out there and some of the stuff that we're starting to see. We're going to be covering CES in a couple of weeks here. And I know from what I'm seeing from the press briefings and other things that are going on with that show, that this is going to be front and center there. And a lot of different applications for this. Another area where we're starting to see these in general use is the Alexa robot. That mm-hmm. is, okay. Uh, so, but Alexa, would she really be a robot, or would she be more like a droid? More like a droid, to use the Star Wars term, because you're yeah. combining AI with robotics, right? So, because it's an intelligent being, yeah, you know, I or, have a, a, or a con- uh, intelligent software, or or energy, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, that kind it's of- not just a machine. That's programmed to just pick something up or toss something or whatever. Well, at a very basic level, you're dealing with a machine that can think. And I think that's what this is referring to more. Because robotics, just strict line, you know, it's a machine that's programmed to do something. That's been around for a while. We've Uh seen seen things like Flippy that can cook burgers at a burger restaurant. All of that does exist. There's robotic vacuums and have been for years. This is different. Yeah. This is something that it is a combination of these type things. So to use your word, droid. Mm-hmm. Is, is interesting. One of the other interesting things in here, recycling is going to become a big deal. We're seeing this. We've talked about the car batteries and things in the past. With all the new tech, you need to be able to use recyclable material. And on the recycles, we've had the logo on things for years, but we're finding out now that it's really only the ones and twos that can be recycled. The rest either cannot or aren't or whatever the situation is. So I think a focus on this and actually having equipment and components and things that don't end up in a landfill and can be reused is going to be very important. And then the final one on here, which is kind of funny, is robots take to the sidewalks. We're going to see Mm -hmm. them around more, you know, just uh, doing deliveries, that type of a thing, maybe even going to your local grocery store. It is, uh, (laughs) you know, a situation where you're going to uh, not, you're going to, it's just going to become a normalized part of our society. They say adoption is a given we're just more and more, we're going to see this kind of technology out there. It's going to be part of our society. And I, I think a lot of different, very interesting ways and, and things that you might not think of this day are where you're going to be seeing this kind of tech and where you're going to be probably interacting with this in the next five to 10 years, certainly, if not before. Amazon is making its own containers and bypassing supply chain chaos with chartered ships and long haul planes. Yeah, this is one way to work around the supply disruptions. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Solve know, it yourself. Solve it yourself. <laughs> Amazon has been putting together their own logistics system for the last couple of years. The original idea was to work on things like one-day delivery and some of the other things that they wanted to bring to the table to enhance what they were already doing. Now, we haven't seen a lot of one-day delivery. It does exist in some situations, but a lot of that energy has been redirected to solving this problem, at least for them, to be able to use that tech to bring in their own products and completely get around it. The long-haul planes is an interesting idea because that completely bypasses the supply ports like the one in L.A. and stuff that is really backed up. So you can get around that. Mm-hmm. Shipping is starting to come into ports that you wouldn't have originally thought about it. I know here in Portland that's starting to happen, and that's a port that's not on the ocean. You have to come up a river and things like that. You can still navigate it with the large ships to a point, but it's not as convenient as one that would be right on the coast like Los Angeles. But the two-week delay is making it necessary to come up with some of these other solutions and being able to put things into place to get around the problem. Researchers shrink camera to the size of a grain of, uh, of salt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The picture yeah. is amazing. I'm just like, wow. So we were talking about the bionic eye earlier. This is another technology that's kind of along the same lines. The camera actually has a reasonable resolution, too. They want to use these for a lot of different applications. One of the more sci-fi ones was being able to insert it into the human body to check for things and be able to see what's going on, actually visually see. That oh, so you don't idea. have to cut somebody open. You can just send the camera in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, we've had, we've had MRI technology and other scans, x-rays, of course, for a long time. But this would be another step in the right direction on that, dealing with that. The thing of it is, it's like with any new technology that for the good, there's always a way to use these things in a negative. And we've talked about hidden cameras in the past on this show. And as they get smaller and smaller, I think this one would be a different purpose. But you can hide them more and that kind of a thing. So you have that side too. So what we really need is a system to be able to see where there's cameras dependably and then be able to use the technology to the benefit that it can offer. Hundreds of solar farms built atop closed landfills are turning brown fields into green fields. Yeah, this is a nice use of those areas. They've got these capped landfills, which means they're no longer accepting waste and they're usually cemented over or something like that. And they're using cemented. It's to keep water and things from getting into oh, the, uh, you okay. know, for decomposition. So, in any event, the landfill tops are being used for solar panels. There's a couple of prototype projects coming online that are producing a lot of electricity, and it makes the brown field into a green field, as they say. So, coming hmm. up here after the break, we're going to be talking about Emerald City Comic Con in a lot more detail. We're going to come back with an interview from the floor, and then we're going to have a conversation about what we saw, and then we're going to do after the con after that. So, stay tuned. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We're coming to you recording live from the Emerald City Comic Con. And we're going to have an interview coming up here in just a bit. And for our D&D fans out there, there's been a lot of things to look at. (laughs) I mean, everything from dice, custom dice. I think we saw some of the coolest dice. To Mm -hmm. actual games. To actual games and different things like that. In fact, we're about to go try one out. Uh, that's a tester, from what I understand, so that's pretty cool. We'll see what that is. But our interview coming up here, Patrick is the proprietor, and this is a company that makes miniatures, but they have some very unique ways to how they do that. 
and other things. All D&D, of course. So, <laughs> with no further ado, let's go to our interview. All right, Patrick, welcome to User Friendly. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for the interview. So, what is Lethal Shadows Productions? Yeah, so we, we do a few things, but mainly what's really taken off for us is a premium miniature line for us. Uh, that is doing very well. It all started uh, with us playing D&D at our table. Right, right. And we pulled out a mini we bought off of a local store, and I put it down, and the players couldn't figure out what it was, you know? <laughs> so uh, that kind of led to us producing our own minis for our own tables, and then from there, everyone's like, this is good enough to sell. And our local board game store actually started carrying our minis. Oh, wow. Uh, which is such an honor. Um, and from there, it's just taken off. Now we have an in-house artist, so you can get fully painted miniatures. Uh, we can also scale them to whatever size you like. So if you have a, a mini you played for a long time, you finish your campaign, you can commemorate them by having a larger version of them printed, and you have it on your shelf, and you have a professional painting if you want. Um, so that's the miniature side of things. And the productions, you know, we do more than just minis. We now have a full-on laser engraving business as well. So we're doing D&D class coasters and hanging slate signs, as well as we're going to have very soon uh, leather-bound notebooks and notepads with those same class logos on there. And we'll even let you customize it and have your character name in there. So that's pretty pretty unique, something we haven't seen, and we wanted, right? So we had to make it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that sounds incredible to be able to customize to that extent. Now, you know, we're here seeing the miniatures, of course, we're on the radio, so the listeners can't, but the one thing I can say is, yeah, you see a lot of miniatures, but your detail is incredible. And that's Thank one you. of the things, I, even from standing a few feet away from the case here, you can just tell there's a lot more going on. What does it take to put a model together and actually do one of these? Sure, so from beginning to end, our models are sculpted with production in mind, right? So we want it to be cool, we want it to be dynamic and unique, but we also create them for success. So when you get the finished product, it's pretty clean. Unlike some of the mass-produced models you can buy where you have a lot of seams and lines you have to right. clean up and process, most of our models, vast majority of them, are pretty much perfect and ready to just prime and paint and go from there. We even offer priming services and painting services as well. So it, it's really having control of that end-to-end -end production, right? All the way from sculpting, through production, through cleaning up, and then to sale. So it, it takes having ownership of that whole thing. Right. I can only... I can only imagine, but what you've come up with here is something that is really, very, like you say, very unique. Mm -hmm. So um, I know you're coming up with the leather books and stuff in a few weeks, and those will be available to your website. How does somebody find you online? Yeah, so lethalshadows.com. Okay. Um, that's going to be our main storefront. We are, we're big on Facebook. If you want to follow us on there, we can post a lot of updates there. Uh, on our website, what makes us unique as well is every model that you see on the site has a full 360 spin render, oh, wow. so you can see exactly what you're getting and you're happy with it. And on that render, you can even hit the mix maximize button and it takes up your whole screen, and you can really see it. In front of us, you have uh, one of our displays, we have a holographic display with our renders and painted minis on there. So we are showing those renders off here as well. Um, our catalog online that's listed is about 170 models. In reality, we have about 50,000 models. Oh, really? Okay. It just takes a very long time to process them all. And I'm all about transparency and honesty, right. right? We sculpt some of our models ourselves that are unique and exclusive to us. We also work with licensed partners who are sculptors, and we are fully licensed and allowed to sell their models, and we have their models here as well. So on the site, we're fully transparent. Every model will say what artist sculpted it. We want to give credit right, to the artist. Right. 
And uh, even though you can see some of those models elsewhere, you know the qualities here. I mean, you've seen it yourself. Yeah, you've held it. Yeah, no, the production is different. So if someone is listening that's an artist that makes these, would you be able to sell their line? Or yeah, that so that's, that's actually kind of like looking down the pipeline for us, right. a, a future vision for us. We want to be a premier production house. So if you're an artist and you, you obviously spend a lot of time creating these beautiful sculpts, you can work with us and we will help you produce the sculpts so they're better for reproduction, for better for printing and getting to the customer's hands and, and the perfect shape you've made. And we will also carry them in our store and we'll work out a licensing deal. See, that's um, a great partnership. Most artists are not businessmen, you know? Exactly. And they're salesmen. True. And to have somebody else do that part is great for an artist. Yeah, and, and that's what we want to do, right? We want to have, we want to be the consistent of quality, and we want to help artists get to what we need, where we need to produce that, and then get that to the customer's hands so they can enjoy it. Um, we have had talks with other bigger studios and brands I can't discuss at the moment, but they see our quality and they say, "Hey, how about we we white label your minis as our premium line?" You know, and we've discussed that with them. There's still some chats going on. Um, but that, that is humbling for us. We are, we are in all honesty, a small operation. This is our first show. And the amount of love and the amount of support we've seen, the orders we're getting, it is just wild. So we love it. We're here local in Washington, and we love supporting this community. Uh, we do ship all over the country. Uh, and also, we offer 100% custom sculpting services as well. So we have an in-house sculptor, and let's say you have a, a mini and you know your character, you love it, you've played it for years, you want every scar, every item, every pose <laughs> to be exactly what you want, we do offer that. Obviously it's a bit expensive, it's about $600 for that custom sculpting, but we will meet with you, have sessions with you, show you pictures of the progress, and then that includes the production of one miniature. Any reprints after that are only $10 if it's a standard size mini. Right. Um, and then at the end, we'll even offer you the ability to buy the full rights to it. You can have the exclusive rights to your mini. So you own it. We won't even say we made it. We won't show it. It's yours. So we, we want to be transparent with our, our right. customers and our partners and offer, in honesty, a good service for the community. Now, that totally makes sense. Although I would say with the level of the quality of the products you have, I think you're eventually going to find yourself as a brand where you do want to brag who made it, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah sure, exactly. So, now this is really cool. Anything else you want to tell us? Yeah, so um, we, we are running out of these, but we do have player quick reference sheets that we made, and these are our gift to the community. These are expensive to produce, they're on really nice paper, but they're our way to show people how to play D&D, to remove that barrier of entry. Right. And you can sit down and look at it, and on it you can see what you can do during your turn, different effects and what they mean for your character. So we have those at our booth. We also are carried in local board game stores, and you get one of those for free also with your purchase. So please reach out. If you don't see a model on our site that you're looking for, we have a lot. So email us, and I'll move yours to the head of the line, get it listed, and get it on there. So we're going to have D&D earrings at some point soon. Oh, wow. We're going to have D&D ornaments. We have like Swarovski crystal ornaments oh, wow. that we're going to be engraving. Yeah. Yep. And unfortunately, we ran out of time for the show, but uh, we can do all sorts of stuff. So be on the lookout. Let us know if you have any ideas, something you want. We're here for you. We'll make it. We'll make it happen. Well, Patrick, thank you. Lethalshadows.com. And we'll be putting that on our social media so you can find it. We'll be back after the break.
Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. We're recording live from the floor of the Emerald City Comic Con. We actually made it back to one. Yay! <laughs> so we wanted to just talk a little bit about what we're seeing here this year, and uh, it's really kind of cool to see everything come to live. The place is busy. Yeah, it is. Um, I would and, say, and there's a really positive vibe. Yeah, it just feel everybody's yeah. like friendly and happy, and you know, so that's kind of cool. And it's just uh, it's just fun to be back, and I think that's the way everybody feels. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of different things around here and uh, some of, you know, things that we've seen before and some very kind of unique, different, unusual stuff. Yeah. A lot of role-playing games. We're going to have an interview here uh, about some custom stuff for that. Mm -hmm. And uh, dice. uh, Jeremy, you're the dice person. So what did you see? Tell us about this. There's uh, uh, several different people selling dice and several different people making dice. But you've got stuff that's glass, wood, and metal, and then all the plastics. So everybody's got their own cool colors and designs and mixes for all the things. But if you're going to make dice out of glass, I love it. Now, you collect dice, I know, and you've gotten some uh, Kickstarters and some unique things like that. Yeah. So what's your favorite dice that you have? So far, my favorite dice is the Liquid Core dice. So when you roll it, and when it comes to a stop, the interior keeps rolling around. It little glitter sparkles. moves inside. Oh, that's cool. That's uh, cool. So far, those are the coolest ones I have. The electronic ones are coming, but they're not done yet. So, you know, looking around at everything else, we got to look up the artist gallery. To give an idea, the convention center is four floors, and there's basically stuff going on on all four. Yeah. Yes. And, and in the other hotel, too. And in the other hotel. So, it, you know. It's not as packed as the previous time, but it is still very, very full and very lively. Yeah. It yes. just, you know, they're taking all the precautions that are necessary and all of that, but they've done it in a way that's streamlined. So uh, that works out really well, you know, and I think uh, I think I like that. Now, one of the unique things here at this event that I haven't seen elsewhere is a thing called the Star Wars Experience. Yeah. So, Gretchen, tell us about that. Well, the Star Wars Experience seems to be, it's a fundraiser. And they collect money for a children's uh, foundation. And they have all kinds of displays where you can take photographs of yourself in a Star Wars setting. With Star Wars actors. Yeah. People fully dressed up. And they were really nice. Yeah, yeah, they were super cool. And they have all kinds of things. And I think these people are part of the 501st. Yeah, it's the 501st. And I think there's another group. The the, the Rebel Alliance might be also tied in with them. And for anybody that doesn't know, these are costume clubs where people get together and you try to do the most screen-accurate work you can. Uh, so that was come from. So these people know all about canon and not canon and all of these other things that I twist my neck around trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I only worry about it when it comes to being in a book or a story. Yeah, you know. And yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> so they have different concerns than like I do. Yes, yeah, and it, and it is. But you see the work and the time and the passion mm-hmm. that goes into these things, and oh, it's yeah. just absolutely incredible. So, so, so far, Jeremy, what's your favorite thing you've seen here? Uh, my favorite thing so far has actually been other people. <laughs> uh, touche. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm literally looking at uh, like 50 people. different people right now, and none of them are dressed like they're in street clothes. Yeah. They're all wearing costumes. It is so. Or cool. if they're wearing street clothes, it's a street clothes item with a theme to it. Right. True. Right. You know, it's yeah. a Marvel, or it's a DC, or it's a video game. You know, it's great. So one of the things on the cosplay this year that does make it a little different is because of the pandemic, you have to wear a mask, and it has to be visible that you're wearing your mask at all times. So if you have a costume that covers your face like I do, it can't be used right now. So we've seen a lot of very creative ways of uh, dealing with that, you know. Mm -hmm. So, all right, Gretchen, what's your favorite thing here so far? 
Wow. Um, I don't know if it's my favorite because there's so many things, but I did find the Lego display really kind of cool. Now, that's Blocks <laughs> International, I think, or something that puts it on, and uh, we'll get the correct name out on our social media along with some pictures. But uh, that was really cool, and that, I just, I would, I don't know if I'd have the patience. Yeah. <laughs> um, some of the stuff in there, was like this whole cityscape, complete with a very realistic-looking Ikea. And things mm-hmm. move. Things move, you know. And lights and everything, yeah. Scenes really from good. movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that house with all the uh, paintings. Oh, Hogwarts. Uh, the yeah, Hogwarts, the Hogwarts, yeah. All, all yeah. the picture paintings, yeah. Okay, now you'd yeah. think I'd remember Hogwarts, but yeah, yeah it's... You were uh, dressed as a <laughs> Slytherin yesterday. <laughs> Yeah, but it's all about Slytherin. Who cares about the name of the school, right? Oh, so anyway, okay. no, but um, the, the, these things move, and they're well done, and it's all Lego bricks. And you talk to the people, and they are just so passionate about uh, about everything they do, and it's really cool to see what goes together. And one of the stories this year was that um, they had moved some of the sets in, and I guess one got hurt into shipping. And they had to be rebuilt on site, and I can only imagine that would probably have... Uh, Stressful? Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, but um, all in all, it's absolutely great. So we're going to go check out the show a little bit more and see uh, what else we see. So this is User Friendly 2.0. Check out our pictures from this weekend, one user friendly on Facebook and Twitter. And we will be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. We're back in the studio here to kind of just talk about what we saw. We had a little bit of on-site information while we were there in the last segment. But let's start at the top. Jeremy and Gresham, what was your just overall feeling? It was a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed it. It was nice, like, being somewhere with other people doing things that, you know. Yeah. yeah I mean, like, yeah. it wasn't work. It was like, you know, hey, let's have fun and do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was really cool. They took this security and safety and all of that quite seriously and did it in a way that it wasn't intrusive, really. At least I didn't think it is. Yeah, everybody was in a mask, of course, and that was obviously expected. But some of the more unique things is this was the first time that I've been in a place that you had to show proof of vaccine to even get into restaurants. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the county, Seattle, King County, which is the county Seattle's in, requires that. And so you had some interesting things from that standpoint that were a little bit different. But again, everything seemed to function. And the thing is, is it's been almost two years, and it was kind of nice to be back to Seattle. The downtown seems as vibrant as ever. And yeah. uh, it was it was fun to be out there. We had one day of rain. I know one of the questions that's come in is the Seattle Comic Con in December could be quite wet. We had a little bit of that, but it wasn't real bad. Yeah, no, it, it wasn't was, like a hard downpour, but it was like a constant uh, light rain. Yeah, and it was it was just cold. And yeah, you know, yeah. if yeah, you prepare, cold. if you prepare, you're fine. When we were wearing warmer warmer costumes, so it was fine. I ah. think we represented Hogwarts well. Yes, we did. <laughs> we do have a cat moment, you know, when you come back from being away for a while. Um, uh, the kitty is like really excited about seeing us. She won't leave us alone. <laughs> you know, I have the same thing here. Is since COVID started, we've been recording remotely, and we've talked about this in the past because that's brought in some uh, unexpected hurdles that we had never experienced before. But like everyone else, we've had to be creative in this time. But one of them, in fact, that I've started liking is having the cat in this room when we record. So that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. 
But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> sometimes they offer their opinion. your cat doesn't wear a jingly bell like ours does. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, to get back to the floor, we saw, let's see, I'm trying to think of some of the different costumes. Now, of course, you couldn't have anything that had a mask that covered your face that you couldn't tell that you were wearing a mask for COVID. So right. a mm-hmm. lot of the normal cos- cosplays that we would see, including mine with the Wookiee, we couldn't do yet just because that would uh, not have met that requirement. But we, I guess of, we could have put a mask on the Wookiee face, but I mean, that yeah. would have been weird. But that wouldn't, have, that wouldn't <laughs> have been allowed because that mask in of itself wouldn't have secured correctly. Oh, and yeah. the one underneath the head that would have, there's no way to be able to, to document that that's there. And it also would have been quite, um, uh, what, what is its word for that? Hot. Hot. Yeah, hot. Now, Restrictive. Yeah. Now, the 501st at the Star Wars Experience did have a Wookiee there. Yes. So I don't know whether they just isolated that person from everybody else or what they were doing. So that's actually a very interesting part of the show, too. We saw that for the first time when we were there last time, now two years ago. And yeah. the 501st does this fundraiser. And what it is is it's it's to raise money for a hospital. Children's hospital, Children, or for a children's hospital, yeah. And yeah. The, uh, the, every year they do a project. We were talking to them a little bit about this. That is a big deal. And this year was a spaceship. Snow. It was a snow speeder. Yes. Yeah. So there you are. Okay, that's not it was a cool. But that is a snow speeder. <laughs> All right, there you go. Hey, you know my okay. Star Wars universe. I, I'm still working on Palpatine being a senator. So there you are. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, <laughs> no, but it was really a cool project. I mean, the attention to detail it was beautiful. I don't know. Would, would that have been life size? No, no, it's a little smaller, but it's probably just big enough that so they could build it in somebody's uh, garage. Yeah. And um, still manage to bring it somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was huge, but uh, (laughs) you got to think of logistics. No, a device like that would have been um, a lot bigger. It would have been like the size size of a car. Yeah, at least the size of a car. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. That's kind of what it is. And, you know, one of the other things, too, that was cool was the Lego experience. Yeah. You could tell that those people put in a lot of work. Yeah, they built. They had some really neat displays. We got some photos and videos. So that's cool. We'll put that um, on our social just, media. I know we talked about this briefly in the previous segment, but Jeremy, yeah, Jeremy, go ahead. Tell us what you thought of it. Uh, well, the Lego experience was pretty awesome, just because people were excited about building Legos. Um, you know, they they build stuff that wasn't necessarily in a kit. So, like the the Hogwarts uh, staircase room was not a kit you no. had they had to build every aspect of it they also had to engineer the uh the moving parts yeah and 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 make sure that it didn't fall down you know so this this what two and a half foot tall foot and a half wide uh area it's like an atrium where the stairs move yeah, yeah and in this scene. it was neat and you know that's just tons of stuff but they also built uh the space shuttle and some droids from star wars and I'm pretty sure the the uh, oh, BB-8 I, was life size. Okay, the <laughs> one that I really liked was the scene where Vader tells Luke that he's uh, his father, and they're in that 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 open area of the of the Death Star. No, it was the, that was Bespin. That was in Bespin. Yes. Oh God, I'm like really confused. Yeah, that was Bespin. Oh. Where, where Luke was, you know, fall, and then he fell down the shaft. Yeah, you're See, right. See, they, they made a twentieth okay. twentieth anniversary set of just the little arm area where they were standing yeah but this guy took that expanded it into a much larger section and then built a backdrop for it with a ton of lights in it yeah it's amazing but it, and it looks really uh, it has that 
lonely feel of them being out on that arm thing. Mm -hmm. And it was just done really well. And they did lighting and and they just made the mood really well. So it was very artistic. It's not just toys. It it had an artistic feel to it. So all the way around, it was pretty cool. And, and, you know, the convention overall, and I know we mentioned this before from the floor, but it was, uh, I would say, two thirds of the attendance of the previous year, maybe. About, yeah. Yeah. But there was also like a very happy vibe. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was was actually kind of nice that it wasn't as crowded. I mean, I I, I don't mind that at all. And the other side of it is, yeah, with, with everything being approached in a safe manner and all the rest of that, Check-in was very quick. There was no problem with any of the logistical stuff. So all the way around, it was a lot of fun. The dates are set for August of next year in 2022. We'll, of course, announce that in more detail when we get closer to it. But uh, definitely going to go back. It was definitely a good show. And I would recommend, as soon as you feel safe going to a convention again, if you like Comic-Con, Seattle is definitely one of the better ones. It's big. It has a lot of stuff, but it isn't as packed as a lot of other places. So it does make it a little easier. It's four floors, four full floors of the convention center, plus the other buildings. So uh, hotels and stuff around it. All right, this is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break in a minute here with our wrap-up and uh, see what's going to happen for the rest of the year. Awesome. Go away. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. It was great to be back to convention. Yes, yes it totally. was. So anyway, we, uh, you know, I think as long as they can keep it safe and all of that type of a thing, you don't want anybody getting sick, obviously. But it seems like they have a workable system in place. And with that, you know, hopefully everybody's okay. And hopefully we'll be able to have a little bit more normalcy and see our shows again. And along those lines, we're going to be focusing back on technology here in a couple of weeks after the first of the year at the Consumer Electronics Show. This is in Las Vegas. It's January 5th to 8th. Now, this is a show that our reporter down there, Chaz, has covered for us for many years. And he's going to be there with us. But this is going to be our first year that we're going to get to go see it. It's going to be cool. I really love those shows. Yeah. So see what new technology is front and center there. Another Comic-Con coming up in Portland, Fan Expo. It's the first Fan Expo in Portland. January 21st to 23rd, a few weeks back, we covered the transition from Wizard World. Now, Wizard World's still out there. Just this show is is transferring a few others. So it's going to be a lot of fun from that standpoint, too. And on site, looking at the different cosplays, one of the ones that we saw was the show Gravity Falls. And -hmm. I know this is something you guys like. So tell us a little bit about the show. So this is the 10-year anniversary of the series. It started in, in 2012. It's about a pair of twins who get sent from their, their home in California to their uh, uncle in Oregon. And he's a con man living at a tourist trap in an area of the woods in Oregon where a lot of uh, mysterious things happen. There's a lot of cryptids in the area. Um, and it's it's like just weirdness all around them. It's Oregon. Yeah, yeah what well, is Oregon? <laughs> I was going to say, this sounds like a documentary, not a... But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, well, it's about a bunch of uh, family members working together to try and achieve uh, goals and that you don't know about in, from the first episode. There's a lot of secrets. There's a lot of riddles and puzzles. And as, a, as someone who watches it, you can see if you can figure out what the puzzles were to lead you to clues to solving all the mysteries that are visible in the show that you may not necessarily pick up on. 
And the cosplays that we saw were like Wendy. We saw Mabel. We Mm -hmm. saw Stan. um, Dipper. I I did not see any Bill Cipher, though, which is kind of weird. But, I mean, I guess that's good. All right. Well, that's that's a good thing. I don't know the character, so I can't comment on that. All right. So he's a uh, interdimensional being who really likes to destroy things, and he's kind of evil. He's kind of crazy. Yeah. Okay, he's very crazy. He's, he's a, not kind of. He's a bad guy. You know, I, he appeared on The Simpsons as a guest shot, so. Right, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's kind of cool. I don't know if that yeah. makes you a good guy, but hey, you know what? It, uh, being a bad guy is fun, so there you are. Yeah. All right, well, with that, this is User-Friendly 2.0. Until next week, and helping you to learn to understand and honor our cyborg overlords, this is User-Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2021, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the host and not necessarily User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or the station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by WeAreTechnology.com. Podcasts available at UserFriendlyNation.com, TheAnswerPortland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.